Al, it is time to begin our march to episode 300. Yay! By discussing some more JoJo. I mean, what better way to begin our next our next for, foray into the the next milestone by discussing the latest JoJo? I'm about that life. We're all about that life. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Seasonal Checkup OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, manga. Hello, I'm Jared, joined as always by Doc Al and Ladium. Hello. And this is episode 201. Man. And we're discussing JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Golden Wind. The English dubbed version just wrapped up last week on television. Mm-hmm. So now it's time for us to finally talk about it. Yes. And boy, has it been a journey to get through this series. Man, it has been wild. Um, I thought this might have been the case, but... This series debuted on Toonami a year ago to this very day that we were recording. Oh my god. October 26th, 2019. Wow. Yeah, this has been quite a journey then. And then wrapped up on, I, I guess, technically October 25th, 20, 20, uh, 2020. Because it's technically Sunday when those air. That's true. But yeah, essentially a full year of this series being on the air, even though this show has 39 episodes. Yep. Um, I mean, obviously you're going to get random tsunami bumps where the show will just not be on the air. But also, this was this show was affected by COVID mm-hmm. um, a good like month or two that it was off the air because they could not... Dub it. They couldn't finish up the dub because there were a few episodes left and they just like, ah, we haven't been able to get into people and to record anything so we don't know what's gonna happen but the show's kind of we're just gonna not air the show for a while <laughs> and like, yeah that was a good like few months yeah it was, it was rough gone. going without jojo and then it came back and then it took two months two another like two weeks off because of batman yep and then finally it wrapped up yep so let's discuss part five Part 5, 2001. Wow. A JoJo Odyssey. (laughs) Uh, We're going to discuss these episodes. We're going to read the synopses. We'll maybe talk about some stuff from the episode. Again, some of these early episodes were literally a year year ago. So some of the stuff is just going to be kind of vague recollections of. Like, we're going to read the synopses and be like, oh, I guess that happened. I guess that was a thing. Also, um, just... As a side note, uh, our first opening is our friend Coda. Yes. Very good. Very good. Um, And then, of course, the first ending of Freaking You. God! (laughs) Man, that that was a choice. What a good choice. It was so funny. Good music choices for the opening and ending this time around. It was really, really funny. And especially, like the tonal difference when something dramatic happened at the episode and <laughs> goes straight into the song you're like well then it's great <laughs> this person's about to die what's gonna happen next week well now every time I close my eyes I wake up feeling so horny <laughs> ah, it's so good it's really um, good so yeah uh, 
Just a side note that happened. Very good. Uh, second opening of Traders of Requiem, also good. Um, Very good. Done by one of the dudes who did, or one of the people who did um, the last uh, last Diamond is Unbreakable opening. Oh. Um, great Days? Yes. Okay. And then uh, Modern Crusaders, oh. top tier ending theme. Very top top tier, tier ending theme. Oh, that song rules. I didn't even know it before this. I was like, oh, 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 whoa. It's so good. My favorite thing about whenever JoJo licenses out, like, actual, like, Western music, mm-hmm. they they do limited releases where they put, like, the, the main character on a cover of a, a re-release of the single. <laughs> So there are two covers out there with Jordo on the cover of, for a, an album or a, a re-release of Freaking You and of Modern Crusaders. <laughs> Perfect. Very good. Very good. Anyway, let's start Golden Wind. Let's talk about Golden Wind. I had to scroll all the way back up to get to the synopsis. All right. Oops, 2001, sorry. like I said. No, you're fine. A Space Odyssey. Yep. Never Good forget... Point. Yes, we are in Italy. Oh, right. It is 2001. 2001. I was like, I was like never forget. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Uh, two years after the death of Yoshikaga Kira, Koichi Hirose travels to Italy by Jotaro's favor. He departs N- Napoli Airport to find a boy by the name of Haruno Shiobana. Koichi comes across a peculiar young man who tracks him down, who, tra- who tricks him and drives off with his luggage. Koichi overhears two airport security guards reveal the young man's name as Giorno Giovanna and infers that Giorno might be Har- Harado Shiobana. Meanwhile, Giorno meets with the gangster Lucky Eye Luke, or Leaky Eye Luca, who attacks Giorno and is put into a coma after his attack is reflected back. Giorno reveals his stand gold experience, which they, I believe they um, localized to Golden Wind. Golden Wind, yeah. Yeah. And creates a tree to escape from Koichi, who caught up to him. Koichi calls Jotaro by telephone, revealing Giorno is the son of Dio. Dio. Escaping by train, Giorno encounters Bruto Bucciarati, who questions him about Luca's death. Giorno lies to him, and Bucciarati goes goes away. After Giorno opens his hand, only to find an eye enclosed, and Bucciarati reappears behind him and confirms he's lying by licking his face. Yes. As you do. As you do. Um, I hope you'll enjoyed seeing Koichi and Jotaro because this is the last time you'll basically see them. That's not true. For the most part. You see Jotaro again. Well, you see Jotaro again, but like, as it, like these versions of these characters. Oh, yeah. That's these it. These versions, yeah. It's, it, it, that's it. But Hey, you, you remember how Jorno being Dio's kid? That's the last you'll hear of that. <laughs> yeah, that's a brief mention. It's just so glossed over. And then it's funny because like they show him as a kid. He's got like a black bowl cut. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, his hair changed colors when he got a stand. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he just decided, all right, it's said this bowl cut. I'm going to go with these, like, front pin curls. It's like when I was four and during the summer, my hair just decided to become blonde all of a sudden. So, yeah, I mean, my brother had very white blonde hair when he was a kid. And you've seen my brother now. I went from red hair to brown hair to one summer of blonde hair back to brown. <laughs> Mine switches between, like, auburn and brown and blonde. It's mostly stayed auburn, though, for, like, the past decade. No, you go to, you work at Alabama, not auburn. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, Koichi is good to see him again, but he's like 17, 18 now. Yep. Still tiny. <laughs> Just flying to Italy because Jirotaro was like, hey, you want to go to Italy to see this thing? Okay, cool. Thanks. Bye. Yep. Yeah, that's the last we'll see of them, basically. Too um, busy looking at my starfish. Yep. Can't go to Italy. Uh, Bucciarati looking Giorno is a great way to open the series. It really is because, like, you know, you, you've got the, the silliness going on of like, oh, I got this tree that I can grow to get away from you da, 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 da. and you're like all right all right what what's our hook though what are we doing here and then Bucciarati's on this this train and it's like oh you know I, I uh you know perspiration the best way to find out somebody's lying is when they are perspiring you know it tastes different and um he like asked him about uh leaky eye luca and um Jordan's like, oh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, oh, okay, you're not sweating. So uh, I guess we're good. All right, bye. Just gets off the train. And then, like, Jordan's like, oh, God, that was wild. Opens his hand. There's an eye. And then freaking Bujarati shows up out of nowhere. He's like, well, now you're sweating. And just licks his face. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I guess. Uh, what a way to introduce that character. <laughs> really good what a also, way this man is licking a 15 year old's face by the way he is 15 he does not look 15 none of them ever look like teenagers it's hilarious. i mean jotaro jotaro is also like 15 i know he does not look like a teenager either at least the, jo uh, like jono's relatively smaller comparison yeah. like he's not beefy as heck just a 20 year old man going up and licking a 15 year old <laughs> but yeah it, it once that happened, you're like, all right, yeah, this is a JoJo series. We're 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 getting there. Uh, episode two, and a flashback is revealed that Giorno, who was once abused by his stepfather and bullied by other kids, started being treated with respect after saving an injured gangster, giving him a reason to live. Back in the present, Giorno uses gold experience against Bucciarati, which causes his senses to go berserk upon being hit. Bucciarati brings out his own stand, Sticky Fingers, or Zipper Man, a much worse name. <laughs> it's such a terrible name. It's very literal, but also not great. Allow him to create a dimension distorting zipper to try and escape inside another person, but Giorno tracks him down by turning one of Bucciarati's teeth into a fly. Despite beating Bucciarati in a duel, Giorno decides against finishing him off, instead asking to join his organization so he can take down his boss and take over the city. Pretty self-explanatory. What an aspiration for a 15-year-old. You know what? I just beat the crap out of you. Can I join you together? so that we can take over the city? That'd be cool, right? Very casually. You are 15, bro. Hey, some 15-year-olds have passion. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Also worth mentioning that both of these dudes have boob windows. So that's that, that was the fashion in 2001. What are you talking about? And not only are they fighting, but they also have dueling boob windows. As you do. Mm -hmm. Casually. Uh, episode three. Telling Bucciarati about his ambition, Giorno convinces Bucciarati to let him join the organization, organization Passione, and Bucciarati leads him to a lieutenant of the gang, Pulpo, who is currently sitting in prison. After entering the prison, Giorno asks to join the gang and is assigned a test in order to see if he is trustworthy, which is to guard a lighter's flame for 24 hours. Giorno accepts and leaves the prison, and in a series of close calls managed to get into his own dorm, only for Koichi, oh hey, Koichi's back for yep. a brief hot second, to intrude in order to find a stolen password. Passport, not password. <laughs> Jorno, you stole my password to get into my laptop. Jorno again narrowly escapes with the lighter. However, the lighter is extinguished accidentally by a janitor cleaning the area. Distraught, Jorno 
believes he has blown his chance and is surprised when the janitor reignites the lighter. However, Black Sabbath appears. I don't remember what the localized name for Black Sabbath is. Uh, I can look it up. Shadow Sabbath. Shadow Sabbath. Sure. <laughs> appears and, impl- and impales the janitor's soul with an arrow, killing him. Realizing that he has activated Pulpo's stand, Jorno braces himself as Black Sabbath lunges at him. Uh, also, this man is huge. He's a very big boy. He is a big boy. Loves to eat. I mean, food is delicious when you remember to eat it. It's true. Um, but yeah, he is a biggin. Also, like, I don't remember if it was this episode, but there was, like, a very anxiety-inducing moment where, like, Giorno has to get past the guards. Mm -hmm. I think it was on the way back in, because he had to, like, have the lighter. But Lady gave him like a very thorough pat down. I was like, whoa, Man, <laughs> calm, calm down. Uh, but apparently, yeah, he likes this janitor and the janitor just gets impaled. As you do. As you do. Also, Koichi, um, like in the in the dorm. I remember he was funny, but I don't remember what he did. Stole a password. No, he stole a passport. And that was Giorno. <laughs> Uh, episode number four, Black Sabbath tries to attack Giorno, revealing itself to be more powerful than Gold Experience as well as being faster. Luckily, a ray from the sun manages to stun the stand, allowing Giorno to escape its grip. And the young boy understands that Black Sabbath is weakened by sunlight, but powerful in the shades. When Koichi comes, the two teens ally to lure Black Sabbath into the light and annihilate it. Afterward, Giorno con- convinces Koichi of his righteousness and also makes him keep his secret goal. Koichi thus reassures Jotaro about Giorno and departs from the latter's life. And that's that. That is officially it. Yeah, that's it for Koichi. For them, the next day, Giorno is welcomed by Polpolo into the gang and officially assigned to Bucciarati. But as revenge for the janitor, he secretly turns one of the lieutenant's guns into a banana. Long after Giorno steps out of prison, Polpolo eats, finally eats the banana and kills himself with a shot to the head. Meanwhile, Giorno is on his way to be, to meet Bucciarati's gang. The moral of the story: Don't eat bananas. I mean, I like bananas, but not when they're guns. <laughs> How many bananas have you ate that are also a gun? Zero, and I'd like to keep it that way. That's good. This is why you always cut bananas before you eat them. You never know. You could have a gun in there. It's true. Like, if you cut the banana, that's you know if it's a gun or not. Look, today is Halloween, so it's like all those PSAs about razor blades being in your kids' candies. Check your bananas in case they're a gun. Exactly. Also, Solves don't do so don't problems. do any Halloween things tonight. If you do, you're a dummy. Yeah. No. Stay home. Stop it. Social distance. Wear your mask. Be good. You can wear a costume and sit in front of the TV and do cool. Use a catapult if you want to fling candy at kids. <laughs> I don't care. Just don't, like, literally be face-to-face with them. That's stupid. I'm going to, like, drop a basket out of my second-floor window. Be like, here you go. <laughs> I'm not giving candy out. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Episode have, 5. Have Loki throw it at him. Good. Good idea. Uh, while Bucciarati explains how Passione functions as a gang, the news of Polpo's death spreads throughout the mob. Two gangsters... Saleh and Mario Zucchio take an interest in Pulpo's hidden treasure that Bucciarati supposedly knows of. Giorno finally meets his new teammates and manages to make a good impression despite them antagonizing Giorno. Learning about Pulpo's death, Bucciarati immediately tells the gang to set sails on their way way to Capri in order to, not the Capri Sun, in order to retrieve the treasure. An unseen enemy stand ambushes them, making Narancia, Mista, and Fugo disappear without a trace. As Abakio is reluctant to show a stand to the newbie, Giorno makes the gamble that their opponent's way of attacking isn't fatal and purpose- purposefully exposes himself. 
He is stabbed by the sand and disappears. Thus, Abakio is free to summon his moody blues. Moody blues, or as he is known in the localization, moody jazz. <laughs> That's not bad. It's not bad. It was. It gets the point across. Totally. Um, is this the one where they made Jorno drink? Probably. I think it was this one. Um, and also. Narancha on the boat was like, I got a new boombox. This is awesome. I'm going to play music really loud. And it was like, oh, please Shut stop. Up. Um, but I think this was that episode that made him drink that. It sounds about right. They're like in the restaurant fighting over everything as they do. I don't remember if he actually drinks or not. I don't remember, but. I don't remember if he turns into Leoto Machida for that moment or not. What? Uh, Leoto Machida was, a, was an MMA fighter. Uh-huh. And he uh, famously would drink his own pee. Why? I, you know, just because. Sounds like a mistake. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> uh, episode number six. Mm-hmm. Not a boat. Yes. Bakio's <laughs> past is revealed. Yes, he was a cop. Once a policeman corrupted by his surrounding, his moral downfall culminated in the murder of his partner and the police by the same criminal who had been bribing him. Dishonored, Bakio became des- desperate until he met Bucciarati. And the president, Bucciarati, and Abakio begin to investigate the enemy's power, using Moody Blues' power to reenact any event from the past to discover how the enemy works. Although they discover that the enemy can deflate people and is probably hiding in the pipes, they cannot find him. However, Abakio sacrifices himself and uses blood to make Bucciarati understand that there is a second deflated boat covering the first one. Yep. Bucciarati thus sinks his yacht on purpose, forcing Zucchero to reveal himself and easily defeats him. Um. So... I think it's funny that, like, when he stopped being a cop, he's like, well, time to have a star, a purple star on top of my head, and also just dress like a weirdo. Um, is this also the, the episode where we get the torture dance? I don't or know. Or is that the if next one? Is. How does the next synopsis start? Well, let's discuss the next synopsis. Okay. After Mario Zucchero is defeated, Bucciarati's team learns that he's told his yet unseen partner that they were headed to Capri to retrieve the treasure. As Bucciarati took a long curve to avoid being seen directly heading toward Capri, the group expects they fight on, to fight another enemy on the island, but Giorno purposely, pur- proposes to head there first and seek out their foe. Near the marina, Giorno calls, out, calls for the enemy through a civilian while Mista lays in wait and ready to fight, so I guess it would have been last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the enemy, Saleh, falls for the bol- for the bait, and despite some mishaps, Mista manages to shoot Saleh in the leg thanks to his sex pistol's power to redirect bullets. Mista pursues the enemy alone up up to a starting truck, leaving Jorno behind. Also, sex pistols is just six bullets. Six bullets. Uh, again, not as good. Nope. Um, so since we didn't get to talk about it, the torture dance is a very, very famous thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it was trippy as heck how they animated it. Mm-hmm. It was really, really fun. It's um, set to a song called uh, Canzone Preferete. Um, and the same guy who uh, does the second opening for mm-hmm. this does the vocals. Um, but yeah, you know, we got the whole line of vocal percussion on a whole nother level coming from my mind. Um, and we're Golden Wind. Clever. Um, it's it's a great song. Um, it took me a second to be like, "What is happening?" But yeah, they just like put like a fish hook through his eyelid, and also like his head is zippered off. 
and they let like the sun come in directly to his eye while they're doing this dance. It's pretty intense. The torture dance for a reason. Yeah, like the the colors of it, like the whole thing is just very surreal, and it was it was pretty pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is the, the episode where we get to learn more about uh, Mista and how he how he rolls. Which, whoo, buddy. Well, that's this this next episode. Yep. Uh, where we get Mista's past revealed. Mista was once a simple teenager enjoying a life until he met his destiny and stopped a gang rape, revealing his his outstanding gunfighting skill. In the present, Mista shoots Sally, who is hidden atop the truck. Yet Sally stand craftwork, which I don't remember again. What this is localized as arts and crafts. That's not terrible. Not terrible. Uh, can immobilize objects with respect to a given reference point. Thus, Mista is at a tremendous disadvantage as bullets cannot penetrate Sally's skin skin while he can fire the bullets back at Mista. After a back and forth, Mista is left with one bullet and wasted. However, he only tricked Sally into dropping his guard and has sex pistols hijacked Sally's own bullet, which fits, which hits Sally right in, right in the first bullet, still locked inside Sally's skull. The bullet is pushed inside the brain and Sally is defeated, but alive. As you do. Yeah, casually. Mm-hmm. Um, so this isn't really the first real big thing with this, but like we find out that Mista basically has no sense of self-preservation whatsoever. None. And it's just like, all right, I got to do this. I got to take this guy down. Well, time to just fling myself into it. This boy has nine lives. He, he is a cat. He is a cat. He does. He does. He does. He does. He good. <laughs> Also, um, voiced by Sean Chipok, who does a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. And it's very different than most voices that we hear from Sean Chipok. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he did a fantastic job. Uh, episode number nine. Having succeeded in coming to Capri safely, Team Butrati meets up with the capo Pericolo. We'll go with that. Pulpo's treasure, which was hidden inside a, rest- inside a restroom's walls, is examined and deemed great enough. Thus, Bucciarati is officially made into a capo of the gang. However, Pericolo then pre- presents Trish, the daughter of the boss. Born from a long past tryst, Trish is now the target of a rogue team of stand user assassins who hope to get their hands on her to get to the boss, and Bucciarati's team must now bodyguard her. Later, later Narancia is sent out of the hideout to buy groceries, but is easily found by Formaggio, one of the said assassins. Formaggio's little feet... So uh, we'll we'll learn here very shortly what that is localized to. Tiny feet. <laughs> sure. Claws at Narancha, who unleashes his Aerosmith to fire at the car, which they just... Little bomber. Again, not as good. No. I mean, Aerosmith is a atrocious band. They're really, really bad. And I think that I've said that on the podcast before. God, Aerosmith is terrible. But, like, the name for it is much better. Yes. You're just living on the edge. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? The only good thing that ever came from Aerosmith is the Aerosmith roller coaster at Disney World. Um, no, the other two the other two good things of Aerosmith are Revolution X <laughs> and the time they used Don't Wanna Miss a Thing in Saints Row Four. <laughs> okay, yes, fair fair point. You got me. Well, let's get back in the saddle again here. Uh uh-huh. <laughs> Formaggio then uses his power to shrink himself and others to hide and wait for Narancia to shrink, discovering at the same time that Bucciarati's team is is bodyguarding the boss's daughter. 
So Trish initially shows up as like a janitor, like cleaning a bathroom. Yeah. And in disguise. I can't remember if Hugo or Mista, whoever says something to her. She's like, all right, you want to go? And like wants to fight him immediately. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> um, but yeah, she is, she is ready to go. You might say she's spicy. Oh. Um, I love that they also distinctly give Naracha like, all right, you need to go here, 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 but you need to make sure that you follow this route because we don't want you to be tracked. He's like, oh, oh, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. And he just completely forgets everything. He blows it. <laughs> Super duper blows it. Which Good like. Rip their groceries. <laughs> and their rental car. Yep. Uh, episode number 10. The fight between Narancia and Formaggio continues. Having shrunk himself and hiding inside Narancia's pocket, Formaggio patiently waits for his foe to shrink. However, Narancia understands what's happening to him, and to stop Nar and for him and to stop Narancia from calling for help, Formaggio must cut the wire of the phone Narancia uses. The boy realizes that Formaggio is nearby and uses an unknown ability to track Formaggio. Running away, Formaggio is relentlessly tracked to a drain. A flashback then explains how the Hitman team, dissatisfied with their pay, had two of their members gruesomely executed for daring to pry into the boss's past. That one's intense. Yeah. And the president, Formaggio, now understands that Aerosmith is tracking him because of the CO2 he releases. Using a swarm of rats, Formaggio tries to hide, but Narancia manages to identify him and shoot. Although he is hit, Formaggio grows back to his original size, while Narancia and Aerosmith have become so tiny that they are too weak at the moment. Yeah, I think, like, the, the, the dudes who get, like, executed are, like, put into, like, an art piece or something. Yeah, so, um, what it is, and also fun fact about this because i looked into it a little bit more um they might potentially be like some of the first gay characters in jojo huh. um but they were a team on the on the crew and they were kidnapped together and so what happens is that the one gets like cut into many 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 pieces right. in front of the other guy um and so the other guy instead of like watching his potential lover just get like brutalized um takes the gag that is in his mouth and just like chokes himself to death with it which is intense um but then the pieces of this guy are put in they're encased in like this glassy looking material mm -hmm. and sent individually to the the group so when you like like lay them all next to each other, it forms his body. Right. It's messed up. Just a smidge. I don't know if they sent the other guy, but he's died too. Yes. Uh, episode 11. Narancia is now shrunk to the point where he cannot do significant damage to Formaggio. Failing to hide, the assassin stomps him under his foot and resumes his interrogation, but Narancia keeps silent. Narancia's sad story is also revealed. Once a, sea, a street urchin, not a sea urchin, a street <laughs> urchin, and loyal to his little band of thieves, Narancia was one day framed for a violent aggression by his comrade and was thrown into reform school for a year, only to be shunned when he got out. Ill and alone, Narancia escaped his squalor thanks to Fugu and Bucciarati, to whom he is now loyal to. And the now, an exasperated Formaggio throws Narancia inside a bottle with a spider in it. All yeah. Right. yeah that, all right, I forgot about that. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. And manages to learn where Trish is kept. However, Narancia reverses the situation by having by making his own car explode thanks to Aerosmith's tracer bullets, grows back to normal size, and then devastates the entire city to prevent the assassin from fleeing. Finishing Formaggio off, Narancia returns to the hideout where Bucciarati receives the boss's second orders. He then sends Fugo, Abakio, and Giorno to Pompeii to retrieve a key. 
Man, um, I think they might have shown the flashback at some point. I'm not sure, but there's one part where Fugo is like teaching Narancha basic math. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. But he's also terrible at it. Yes. <laughs> um, but I, it makes sense since he, like, you know, has not been in school. But yeah, sad backstories and spiders. Woof. Lots of fire. Lots of fire. Lots of fire. Uh, episode number 12. Shono, Fugo, and Baki arrive to the famous ruins of Pompeii. The very mm-hmm. famous ruins. I love Pompeii. Well, I've never been there, but I, <laughs> I like reading about it. As the trio is walking toward the dog mosaic, Fugo sees a mirror in the, in the new enemy in the reflection. It is Iluso, one of the assassins from La Squadra Esecuzione, which I'm guessing Man is in the, mirror. the execution squad. Yeah, probably. As Iluso approaches, Fugo warns his, his teammates who cannot see the enemy, and Fugo is suddenly snatched into the mirror world, confronting Iluso in a stand, Man in the Mirror. Or as the localized would call him, Mirror Man. Or as the cool people will call him, the girl in the mirror. Yeah! It's a very specific reference. It is a very specific reference. But yeah, Man in the Mirror is the original name. Mm-hmm. Fogo then tries to summon a stand at Purple Haze, which is localized to Purple Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I want to call it like Purple Fog or something. What about Purple Vape? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, he, tr- he tries to summon Stan in Purple Haze, but the Stan is kept out of the mirror, in- interrupting Giorno and Bakio's search for Fugo. A flashback gets exposed as Fugo's past. <laughs> what? Who as a well-born child this? with high intellect, Fugo was so pressured into academic excellence that it took a toll on sanity. Entering university at I age 13, <laughs> yeah, he finally snapped and beat up a professor to defend himself, but it was then expelled and then disowned, eventually meeting Butrati and being swayed to his side. Fugo tries his best to fight Man in the Mirror indirectly, but Iluso easily bests him while Purple Haze's actions cause one of the capsules on his fist to crack, revealing its ability to release a deadly flesh-eating virus. Abakio decides to prioritize the objective, but Giorno insists on helping Fugo, and Abakio leaves Fugo to his fate. Meanwhile, Iluso approaches Fugo for a coup de grace. Or a coup de grace. <laughs> um... So it's worth mentioning that Abakio just does not like Giorno, does not trust him. It's like, yes. why is this newbie here with me? This is ridiculous. Um, I've also been trying to figure out since we started this how um, Fugo's pants work. <laughs> He's got all those holes in them. It's fashion. Is it, though? It's fashion. Is it, though? Mm-hmm. Um, also... His stand is actually quite interesting. Like it drools all the time mm-hmm. and just kind of like wanders around. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting stand that I wish we got more information on. It's, it's as if it's walking in a haze. Oh my God. Um, because this is basically the only time we really see purple yeah, haze. Do anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll get into that, why that is later on, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, episode 13, the battle against Iluso and the Man in the Mirror continues. Abakio reaches the key, but Iluso has detected and followed him, neglecting to kill Fugo. Abakio sees Iluso inside of a mirror as well and understands the situation. Tricking Iluso into forcing a disguised Moody Blues to enter the mirror world and gaining the upper hand, Iluso nonetheless uses a piece of glass to trap both stand and user half inside the mirror, disabling them both. Desperate, Abakio cuts off his hand to prevent Moody Blues on the... They're just going with the English thing here that's weird um or is that no that's i don't know 
Moody Jazz is the English. Okay, I got confused. Confused myself. Uh, cuts off his own hand to permit Moody Blues on the other side to bring back the key to Giorno's position, and Eluso attacks Giorno. However, Giorno has infected himself with Purple Haze's virus, exposing Eluso, who must flee into the real world. Real world. Nonetheless, Giorno has also turned a brick into a snake, <laughs> casually, <laughs> allowing Fugo to guess Eluso's position thanks to the snake's heat sense. Purple Haze then dissolves Eluso. For his part, Giorno manages to save himself by using the snake's blood as an anti-venom, greatly impressing his teammates. The team has acquired the key. Um... I also forgot to mention it while we were talking about his weird outfit, but um, it is canon. Arky has confirmed it that Fugo only wears thongs. Again, early two thousands. Yeah, that's I mean, fashion. His thong, the thong, the thong. You um, really love that Cisco song. <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting that he's like, you know what? I need to confirm what kind of underwear this man wears. But um, yeah, so purple haze. Pretty brutal. Yes. Um, and like I said, this is basically the only time we see it do anything. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have a key now. We don't know what we're going to do with this key, but we have a key. Probably open a lock. And Abakio's like, all right, kid, you're good. <laughs> I guess you're all right, kid. Uh, episode 13 and a half. It's a recap episode. What? Episode 14. Discovering new instructions from the boss engraved on the key, the group now heads to Napoli. Is it Napoli or Naples? Napoli? I don't know. I don't speak Italian. Neither. How do you spell it? N-A-P-L-E-S. Either way, they're heading to that train station. Near the Florence-bound express, Bucciarotti discovers a turtle whose shell fits with the key, grabs it, and rushes inside the train to his team, evading two new enemies that have been following him. Proschietto and his junior Pesky. Joe Pesky. Oh, Perplexed no. by Bucciarati's sudden disappearance, the pair decides to stay on the train. Unbeknownst to the assassins, the small turtle acts as a stealthy shelter for Team Bucciarati thanks to its stand ability. Uh, the turtle also is just called Coco Jumbo, but they don't never call him that. <laughs> they never call him that! I wish they did, because what a good name. Also, the, the, the turtle has a stand. Yes. Which is called Mr. President. What? Why? I don't know. It just is. <laughs> That's what it's called. Apparently it's called T-Rex at one point. You know, call it whatever you want. Interesting. <laughs> uh, they hide in the corner of, a, of the driver's cabin. To draw them out, Proschietto summons his stand, The Grateful Dead, which is localized to... The Thankful Death, or in the video game, Thankful Dead. Yep. Weird. I, I mean, at least they're getting close with that one compared to some of the others, but also, like, weird. Yeah. Uh, it accelerates the aging of the train's passengers, sweeping the wagons while Pesky stands guard near the driver's cabin. Affected by the aging, the group discovers that ice can slow it down, then 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 sends out the relatively unaffected Mista out to fight the enemy, because of, of course. However, when Mista tries to activate the air conditioner, he is ambushed and is hooked by Pesky's fire, fighting rod, fishing rod stand, Beach Boy, <laughs> which is localized to... I mean, this is a fishing rod. Fisherman! <laughs> Fisherman? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Uh, episode 15, 
The battle between Mista and, and Pessy begins. However, have, having hooked Mista by the hand by the hand in Beach Boy's line, being unbreakable as well as able to reflect energy into the catch, Pesky seems to have the advantage and tries to reel Mista in, making the hook draw closer to the gunman's heart. Nonetheless, Mista turns the table on his foe by firing sex pistols and destroying his ice, making Pesky panic and unsummon Beach Boy. Mista confronts Pesky and almost shoots him, but Proschietto, disguised as an old man, takes Mista's hand and disables him. Lecturing Pesky once again on his team's fighting spirit, Proschietto shoots Mista in the head and goes back to the cabin. Remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Proschietto and Pesky eventually find the turtle, but are attacked by Bucciarati as Mista has survived thanks to sex pistols and informed his leader of the situation. However, Bucciarati's fight exhausts him and the aging effect takes hold, forcing the capo to throw himself out of the tr- express train with Proschietto and hopefully taking him out. Yeah, Mista gets shot in the head at one point. Yeah. I was like, oh man, it's over for him. <laughs> well, little did we know. Little did we know. My man gets shot in the head and then he just bounces back the next day like, I'm fine. It's all yeah. good. Yeah, totally fine. No Everything's worries. good. He's like, what the heck? No worries, dog. <laughs> he would say that. <laughs> oh, what a dude. What a dude. Uh, episode 16. The battle against Proschietti and Pesky continues. Bucciarati has thrown himself out of the train with Proschietti in his arms in the hopes of killing the assassin. Pesci intervenes to grab Proschietto, but Bucciarati re- returns Beach Boy's reflecting power against his enemy, zipping out Proschietto's hand. Proschietto seemingly falls to his death while Bucciarati is hooked. Pesci re- re- realizes the situation and despairs, but when he sees that Proschietto has put himself in- inside the machinery of the train and maintained the Grateful Dead despite his wound, he is inspired by the example and changes into a cold-blooded killer. Pesci tries to kill Bucciarati, who is forced to enter the train again and separate himself into many pieces to evade Beach Boy. However, he cuts his heartbeat and respiration to do so. Bucciarati almost dies, but Pesci finally loses patience and drops his guard to stop the train. The two confront each other one last time, and Bucciarati wins, pummeling Pesci into, into a river. The two assassins are dead. However, it seems that Trish is manifesting for the first time her stand power, and Malone, the assassin, is on the team's trail. The one dude looks like a pineapple? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there was a lot of ice in this fight. Ice. Ice. Baby. <laughs> yes. But yeah, and the heartbeat thing. I was like, oh hey, Jotaro's done that before. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like, eh. no, no one gets shot in the head this time. He got shot in the head. My man got shot in the head. And he's just like, okay. They don't yep. do anything. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's the thing. As you do. Episode 17. In the express train, Melone uses Bucciarati's blood sample on a woman he's deemed really incompatible with, the former, to create a stand homunculus thanks to his baby face. Not like his actual face, but that's his stand. <laughs> his stand is called Baby Face. Which is also just localized to Baby Head. Yep. Because <laughs> sure. Teaching him how to kill Bucciarati and capture Trish before sticking him on the team. Meanwhile, Team Bucciarati is forced to stay on a parking lot and tries to steal a car. Giorno carrying Coco Jumbo containing Trish and Bucciarati is temporarily isolated from the team. It is at this moment that Baby Face sneaks inside the turkle and turns both Trish and Bucciarati into cubes. Then takes away Giorno's throat and foot and an eye. Yeah. Crippling and suffocating, Giorno is at first utterly overwhelmed by Babyface, but then realizes from witnessing its cube power that he can sh- he can shape objects into into individual organs and heal. 
Managing to retake the turtle, Giorno outsmarts Babyface and fakes having his hand cut off, turning the decoy head hand into a piranha, devouring its way out of Babyface. You know who should have been in that turtle resting? Mista, who got shot in the head. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Jesus. You're not wrong. Uh, episode 18. Now having the advantage against Babyface, Giorno then makes short work of the homunculus despite its physical growth. With his victory, Bucciarati and Trish are also returned to normal. The assassin, Giacchio... Too many Italian names that I don't remember how to pronounce. Because <laughs> they only show up for like two episodes. It's like, that's not enough to remember. Yeah, no. Uh, arrives to the parking lot sometime after only seeing a bunch of stolen cars. Although Malone assures on the phone that he can track the group again, he is suddenly killed by a venomous snake sent by Giorno. The assassins have seemingly lost trace of their target, but Risotto Nero, their leader, has managed to find another trail. Meanwhile, the group dis discovers by rewinded Moody Blues that Paracolo has set up further instructions for them. They must retrieve a disc hidden near Venice's train station to read how to deliver Trish. Moreover, Paracolo has shot himself, and the boss is now waiting Trish's arrival. Giorno and Mista are sent together to retrieve the disc, but the duo is then confronted by Giacchio, who thanks to computer his, who thanks to computer analysis on Pericolo's computer has managed to discover their destination. Giacchio stand White Album, which take a guess what he's localized to? Of course, White Ice. Sure. Is a, is a deadly stand of cryogenic power which can kill through simple exposure and makes an invincible ice suit around Giacchio. Unable to shake him off, Giorno decides to drive his car into the sea. As you do. Yeah, like, what a casual solution. Alright, crap, this dude is invincible, he's got this ice power. You know, I'll just drive my car into the sea. Sure. Who let this 15-year-old drive? He did. What a mistake. He was like, yes, I will do this. I can drive. Didn't they no even ask worries. him if he had a license at some point? They should have, if not. They they definitely should have. Uh, episode 19. The battle against Shakio continues. Having driven into the sea, Giorno hopes to slow down White Album's freezing ability with salt water and tells Mista to get away while he stalls Shakio. When Shakio frees the sea to demonstrate his power, Mista and Giorno cooperate to create a glass sled from frozen car parts. That part allowing, was so cool. <laughs> allowing Mista to approach the shore. Then, turning the grass back into car parts, they manage to drive a screw into Giacchio's helmet and stun him. Surprisingly, Mista decides to fight Giacchio, discovers an air hole on White Album's neck area, and shoots it. But Giacchio activates his technique, White Album Gently Weeps, <laughs> <laughs> to create a barrier of frozen air, rebounding the bullet back at Mista. Now on solid ground, Mista confronts, confronts Giacchio again. Giorno sprays his blood in the air, exposing the weaknesses in the frozen air. Mista is also reminded how Bucciarati helped him out of prison and enlisted him in the gang. Giacchio then simply shuts down his shuts his air hole using the frozen air as oxygen reserve. Nonetheless, Mista manages to impale Giacchio on the broken lamppost and tries to shoot him further. A bloody shootout ensues, but Giacchio freezes his own blood into pillars, taking the advantage. At last, Giorno inf intervenes to save Mista and deals the finishing blow to Giacchio. Mista and Giorno have won the battle and awakened a great respect for one another. Yo, that scene was super cool with like the sun rising in the mm -hmm. back. Oh, that was beautiful. With Giorno's theme playing. Yeah, like, oh my God, that was just like so hype. And then they end it with like Narancha thinking that Giorno's blowing him, blowing <laughs> Mista. Remember yep. when he's yep. healing him? Yeah, um, but God, <laughs> that course. scene was so beautiful with the theme. 
we haven't even mentioned that. Jordo's theme rules. It's it very good. Rules. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that scene. Also, somehow, again, Mista survives being <laughs> completely brutalized here. Yep. Uh, episode 20. <laughs> Team Bertrati have acquired the boss's last orders. They must now hand to San Giorgio Maggiore Church, south of Venice, and one of them must accompany Church to the top of the belfry without weapons or communication tools while the rest waits. the rest wait inside the boat. It is a unique opportunity to approach the boss, so Giorno gives a brooch to Bucciarati to act as a tracker. On their way to the belfry, Trish finally shows nervousness at the idea of meeting her estranged father, but Bucciarati does his best to reassure her. Suddenly, Trish disappears with only her hand remaining in Bucciarati's palm. He thus realizes the horror, or he realizes with horror that the boss wanted to kill Trish personally. Bucciarati's past is revealed once the ordinary son of a fisherman. Bucciarati's life, life took a turn to the worst when his father was gunned down by drug dealers when he saw an illegal trade happening. Bucciarati then had to kill them to protect his father and consequently had to join Passione for protection. Soon, he discovered the Passione itself was the origin of the drugs. Utterly disgusted, Bucciarati decides to kill the boss and gives chase. But okay. when Bucciarati... Yes. When Bucciarati hides in a, in a columb, columbarium... Or columbarium to ambush the boss, the latter somehow knows where he is. Bucciarati tries to attack, but his every move is, is foiled. As if as he sees a reflection of himself, the boss reveals his King Crimson and explains his power to erase time and punches straight through Bucciarati's torso. Uh, which they just... they. Localized to Emperor Crimson, which totally works. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, um, Bouchard's got a big old hole in his heart or his chest. Big hole in his chest. Like, ooh, buddy. That's pretty that, bad. That's not good. Um, yeah, I kept flipping between them whenever I was talking about him because I would forget which one was the actual name of him. Yeah. So I was like, ah. Which is the act? What's, what's the band's name? <laughs> the, the band's name is King Crimson. Yes. That's how I should have remembered that. that yeah, that's what I'm saying. Ah! Okay, anyway. Need to, has need to remember your like, 70s and 80s prog rock. You know what? If there's one thing I do know, it's 70s and 80s prog rock. Come on. <laughs> it's true. Uh, episode 21. Back to the boat. Giorno and his teammates wait for Bucciarati's return, but when events seem to have happened without anyone remembering performing them, Giorno rushes to the church to help Bucciarati. Meanwhile, the capo gets punched through the stomach by King Crimson, but amazingly continues the fight. King Crimson erases time again, effortlessly avoiding Sticky Fingers' punch, and lands a karate chop and splits Bucciarati's torso in two. However, the boss is then sucked into the brooch by the brooch Giorno has given life to. Bucciarati wins enough time to grasp the, the gist of King Crimson's power and tries to get rid of the turtle, but when he tries to crawl up the stairs with Trish, King Crimson blocks his path, having forecasted the attack and avoided it too. Fortunately, Bucciarati tricks King Crimson into letting him create a zipper so the to the ceiling and he escapes meeting Giorno. Confusion ensues as Giorno realizes Bucciarati is physically dead, but he continues moving as if he was alive. With too many witnesses, the boss decides to retreat. Out of the church, Bucciarati explains what has happened and gives his team the chance to join him in his fight against the boss. The team is frightened, but all save Fugo manage to gather the resolve to follow their leader. Meanwhile, the operative Squalo receives the order to hunt the rebels. Uh, say goodbye to Fugo. That is the last you will see of him this 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 series, except for the end. But like the very end, you see in a terms shot of like of the him. modern timeline, yeah, that's 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 it. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. So Bucciarati's dead, dead. He's but yeah. alive, but is able to move. He's a zombie. He's basically a zombie, which I don't think Jorna really fully realized what was going on. I, I, I know that he knew something was weird because he like impaled his hand on something and didn't even feel it. And he's like, oh, that's weird. 
And like there was like a cut on him or something. There was like no blood coming out or anything. I think he also like touched him at some point. He was like, oh, this is you're cold to the touch. Weird. Yeah. I don't think he like. Put he doesn't understand it quite yet, but like he realizes something's very wrong. Right. But yeah. Our man's just zombie. Just zombie Jesus going on here. Basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Fugu's gone. Uh, Nar- Narancha was originally staying on the on the coast, and then he he swam towards the boat because he realized that he needed to be with them. Yep. So now we have yeah. most of the gang all together. Bye, Fugo. Uh, we, hard- we hardly knew ye. Yeah, you're not wrong. Also, your stand was potentially super overpowered. <laughs> it's, it's like okay, we gotta get this guy out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, episode twenty-one and a half. It's another recap episode. And that's the end of the first half of JoJo Golden Wind. Mm-hmm. So now we go to episode 22. Still in Venice, Team Butrati goes to a restaurant to rest and decides their next course of action. Sure sure that they can learn about the boss's identity to ambush and bypass his King Crimson, the team learns from Trish that the boss has met his mother in Sardinia, and thus the island is where they can learn about him. Narancha is suddenly attacked by a shark. Yeah, I didn't Usually, watch this episode. Yeah, so these are the episodes you don't, you don't know a thing about. A shark stand named Clash, which rips off his tongue. Unfortunately, Clash. I don't. Know, this isn't. What's what is Clash's localized name? I can't look that up. I'm going to crush. Crush. I can't look up the shark. I stand. I'm going to look it up. It's fine. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Clash can trans can teleport between liquids and remains unseen by all but Narancha. Moreover, when moreover when Giorno saves him from suffocating, and gives him a new tongue. Narancha begins to only tell lies, giving his teammates falsehoods. Indeed, a duo of Passione operatives, Tiziano and Squalo, are ambushing the group using Tiziano's talking head, which is talking mouth, <laughs> <laughs> to force Narancha to lie and bait them into watery places where Clash can amb- ambush them. Narancha nar- narrowly prevents him prevents his team from staying in the bathrooms too long, and they all leave Bajorno. Talking head cuts Narancha's hand, but when Giorno approaches, Narancha uses Aerosmith to shoot a pipe and heat it with incendiary, incendiary ammo and cauterize himself. Giorno understands Narancha is under the effect of some power, but the damaged pipe leaks water, creating a puddle from which Clash emerges to tear at Giorno's throat. Oh uh, yeah, you didn't watch these episodes because they were sharks. And I was like, hey, you should probably not watch these episodes. Yeah, yeah, you told me beforehand. I was like, nope. Yep. I'm out. I'm out. So you were gone until literally episode 24. So yeah, um, that's basically kind of what happens. Narancha like lies to them. And they're like, why are you lying to us? Stop being weird. We're going to leave now. And he's like, no, you can't. But I'm also not telling you anything. And Jordan's the only one who's like, something's weird here. <laughs> I guess I'll believe you. Uh, episode 23. Tiziano and Squalo's ambush on the heroes continue. Clash has managed to bite into Giorno's throat and has disabled him, dragging him and dragging him along in the puddles while evading Aerosmith's bullets. Nonetheless, the duo are aware that Narancha can detect CO2 and thus track Giorno. Although Squallow baits Narancha into opening the the way to the sewers, Giorno willingly lets himself get shot so that the tracer bullets can emit CO2 from him. Thus, Narancha is able to chase Clash until it is cornered in the kitchen room. You know, in the kitchen, kitchen room. room. Yeah. Uh, despite the leaking gas preventing him from shooting Narancha, from shooting, Narancha slashes at Clash with Aerosmith's propellers. Tiziano intervenes and uses Talking Head to bait the team into the kitchen room and trick Mista into setting the gas on fire by firing his gun. Of course he did. An explosion ensures, ensues, and Giorno uses the opportunity to tell him to find the user and gives him a brooch before Clash can take him. Narancha listens and gives chase to Tiziano and Squalo until he successfully finds them. Despite Tiziano's sacrifice, Narancha finally kills both by both the enemies and finds Giorno barely alive. Team Bucciarati subsequently crosses the, the sea to an airport in order to fly to Sardinia. 
I didn't see either of those episodes. So yeah, Jorno gets shot a bunch and then nearly dies and then Mista does something dumb. Of course he does. Nearly ruins it all for everyone. Of course he <laughs> Until does. Until they're able to win. That's basically the episode. What a dude. Uh, episode 24. Having managed to escape Venice, Team Butrati now heads to the Venezia Tessera Airport and steals a passenger plane to fly to Sardinia. During the preparations, a Passione operative named Carne confronts them, but Mista seemingly makes short work of him, only leaving him the time to briefly summon his stand. Giorno touches him and confirms his death. Once the plane is up in the air, Trish, Trish and Butrati discuss their situation, and Trish mentions Cala di Volpe, a small Sardinian bay in which her mother met the boss, who was a local. Meanwhile, Giorno and Mista discover some of Carne's fingers, which got into the, into the fridge of the plane without explanation. Giorno then discovers that his right arm is being absorbed by an enemy stand, Notorious B.I.G. Yep. Which is localized to Notorious Chase. Not as good. Not as good. Should have named it like Tupac. <laughs> Tupac. Uh, Carne's stand, activa- which is activated after his death, can devour all energy and matter to grow and is automatically attracted to the fastest object in the vicinity. Before Giorno can, Before Giorno can make it can make it get out of the plane, he loses both arms and Misa and Narancha are heavily injured. Of course Misa's injured again. Of course he is. The situation but is he is, not? It's, you're not wrong. The situation is, is extremely dire as half the team is gravely injured with no healers available. Yet, as Bucciarati goes to the cockpit with the injured and the turtle to inform Abakio of what happened, Trish is left alone with Notorious B.I.G., which has managed to catch up to the plane. Trapped, Trish then sees that Giorno has left a brooch, with it, which a brand new hand is growing. As you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, one Joseph Joestar was not in this plane, so they were, you know, they're not going to crash. <laughs> but it doesn't mean anything is that things are good. No, things are definitely not not okay. Uh, cue up the the Mista injury tracker. I think we're up to like four or five now. <laughs> no kidding. We should have run a tracker while we we're doing this. Should have. Uh, episode twenty five. Trish is trapped with Notorious B.I.G., but must find a way to protect Giorno's growing hand and herself at the same time. Using the automatic, automatic reclining seats, Trish manages to go past the enemy stand and perch the hand. However, Notorious B.I.G. suddenly attacks her because of the droplets of drinks slipping on her boot. Trish is nonetheless saved by her newly awakened stand, Spice Girl, which I think yeah. they localized as Spicy Lady? Spicy Lady. Which isn't terrible. Yeah. Spice Girl's a really good name for a stand, though. It is a really, really good... Especially because when she punches, she yells, wannabe. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Spice Girl can soften things. Using the softening, Spice Girl manages to bait Notorious B.I.G. into attacking a clock without damaging it, and seemingly destroys it. However, a tiny part of Notorious B.I.G. reaches the engines, and feeds on the energy in them and grows into a big size. Trish again saves the situation by softening the cockpit and then separate it from the crashing plane. I guess the, the plane does crash. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> the spirit of Joseph Joestar lives on. He's not dead. I mean, by, no. by this, he might be gone by this point. Oh, that's tragic. I don't know. know. But he was real old in 99, so. He was real old. Uh, she softens the plane and separates it from the crashing from the crashing plane, acting as a makeshift parachute. Finally, the group manages to reach Sardinia, and Giorno has regained his power. For his part, Notorious B.I.G. will become, in time, a sea monster roaming the waters near Sardinia. <laughs> <laughs> Casually. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, the boss discovers the existence of a clue to his past in Sardinia. Sensing that Trish is alive, he decides to personally go to his native island. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. 
Yeah, Spice Girl. Makes things all like to like a bouncy house. Which is wild. What an ability. True that. Episode 26. Back in 1965, a baby boy was born from a woman who just spent two years in prison surrounded by women. This unique baby was then raised in Sardinia by a priest, grew into a young man, and eventually met Donatella Una. However, the priest discovered that his foster son had kept his mother prisoner and hidden under his room. The boy disappeared, but not before killing the priest and burning his home to erase all traces of him. Back to the present, a teen named Vinegar Dopio comes to Sardinia in order to reach the Costa Smirlada and watch it. Revealed to share his body with the boss himself, Dopio manages to learn that Risotto is near, but is nonetheless surprised by the assassin. Risotto quickly sees that Dopio is a stand user, and is as he looked at the distant Aerosmith, but this is a really weird sentence. Sure. They find each other. Aerosmith's there as well to just make a scene stuff. Yep. A fight, um, ins- a fight ensues during which Risotto makes razors and nail appear in Dopio's body before disappearing. The boss then communicates with Dopio and tells him to approach the assassin, granting a part of King Crimson's power to help him. So we learn a lot here. Um, yes. One, a, a, a nice touch is that Dopio means like double. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, but also. Dobio has the whole like phone answering tick. <laughs> he like picks up a frog at one point and answers it like a phone. Uh, he picks up a lot of weird things and answers he, them like a phone. Yeah, he does that throughout the, the series, but he picks up a lot of things. It's pretty entertaining. But yeah, the thing is is pretty it's pretty fantastic. Another thing worth noting, Risotto looks wild. Big goth energy. Big goth energy. Like, the <laughs> dude's got, like, a weird, like, jester hair hat thing. And he's got, like, he he kind of looks like, in terms of outfit, like he was designed by Nomura. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he has, like, Final Fantasy <laughs> vibes going on. <laughs> you're not wrong but yeah whoa his he's intense but i had to mention the whole double thing and also the phone thing because the phone yes. thing it got me a few times it's i really was like good. laughing so hard <laughs> kudos to the voice actor for him because he he nailed that doodaloo mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, episode 27 the fight between dopio and risotto nero continues Using Epitaph's power to predict the future, Dopio manages to hit close to the now invincible invisible Risotto and extract scissor safety safely from his throat. Dopio then guesses that Risotto is using magnetism to create the razors from his body's iron. Thus, he discovers Risotto's location and severs the, the assassin's foot. However, Risotto recomposes himself, harasses Dopio with scalpels made from iron in the rocks, and takes so much iron from Dopio that the boy suffers from amnemia. As Dopio is tricked into throwing his scalpels in the wrong direction, Risotto reveals himself and creates a razor to cut Dopio's head. However, having guessed that Dopio and the boss are split personalities and seemingly having defeated his enemy, Risotto is nonetheless suddenly shot down by Aerosmith. The boss then appears, having revealed that he purposely told Dopio to throw the knives at Team Brutrati on the beach, using his anemia to hide from Aerosmith's CO2 radar. Outplayed, Risotto collapses. Uh, this also doesn't mention, but Risotto's stand is, is called Metallica. Yep. So this episode is literally titled King Crimson versus Metallica. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, Risotto clearly could have 
ended things, ended the series very early, but then was just like, oh, I win. Easy. And then, oops, just kidding. You don't. Rip. You goofed. Ripperoni and pepperoni. <laughs> you had one chance, buddy. And you failed. You failed. Oh, pepperoni sounds good right now. Sure does. Episode 28. Having been attacked, Bucciarati and Narancia decide to scale the cliffs to check on the enemy, while Abakio rewinds the past with Moody Blues. Meanwhile, the boss orders Risotto to give him back his blood, but the assassin attempts a last-ditch attack, which fails because King Crimson erases time. Risotto thus dies. The boss now has to escape from Bucciarati and Narancia, but who noticed that someone else was here and proceed to search the area. The two eventually find someone, but it is revealed that it is a boy that someone has drained the blood of. Meanwhile, Abakio approaches a group of kids and helps them retrieve a ball. Unfortunately, the boss was hidden among the, the kids and ah. kills Abakio. Yep. Abakio su subsequently finds himself in the afterlife, where his former partner assures him that at the end he upheld the morals his uh, upheld the morals he had. Team Brutrati all grieve for Abakio, but must leave the beach. However, Jorno senses or sees that Abakio is holding a piece of rock. Eventually, discovering a negative of the boss's face and fingerprints that Moody Blues has created, Abakio has fulfilled his mission. Da -da -da. Yeah, wow, this was this was painful. He just <laughs> I'm gonna have these kids with the ball. Oh god, I'm dead. Dead. Shocking. Heckin' dead. Heckin' dead. Ripperoni Abacchio. Yeah. They just kind of left him there, so I was like, oh god, somebody's gonna like come across the beach at some point and see like this body. <laughs> Whose body is this? Yikes. Ay ay ay. Uh episode twenty eight and a half. It's called Destino. It's all about Tetsuya Naito. It's also a recap episode. Episode 29. After having acquired a mold of the boss's faces and fingerprints, Team Bucciarati research online if they correspond to anyone. <laughs> they just put it under a scanner. Like, can anyone, does anyone online know who this is? <laughs> <laughs> There's going on all the message boards in 2001. <laughs> their efforts, do, man. yes, their efforts catch the attention of an unidentified man who calls them and convinces them that they are allies in the fight against the boss, whose name is Diavolo. Showing them the arrow and explaining the origins of stands, this unknown man claims that the arrow can unlock another power that could beat King Crimson. Interested, Bucciarati agrees to meet the man, meet with the man in the Colosseum in Rome. However, Diavolo learns that the team is up to something and thus calls forth his worst enforcers. Chocolata and Seco. Too many C's in that name. Chocolata? Chocolata, there you go. Too many C's. There's like three C's in there. Too many. That's too many C's. Chocolata being a murderous surgeon and Seko his literal human pet. When the team arrive at the coastal village, they and the whole village begin to be affected by a strange mold that grows when the victim goes down. It is Green Day. Everyone is now an American idiot. Uh, this is localized to green tea. Yeah, unfortunately that's not as good. What if they just called it Green Knight? They could have done that. Uh, Chocolata's stand is action. That's Green Day. Narancia jumps down to the, into the team's boat, resulting in the near death of almost everyone. Yep. <laughs> Thankfully, Mista shoots the boat engine to make it explode and push Narancia up to the shores. This feat catches the interest of Chocolata and Seko, who are filming the whole ideal ordeal from a vantage point. Because they're perverts. I mean, there was a man that was trying to pee, and then he died. So and then he, like, his leg fell off, and just, he's just like, oh, no. They're totally perverts. Uh, yeah. 
They almost melted there. Yeah. Luckily, Misa saves the day this time. It doesn't just do something stupid to kill him. <laughs> I mean, he does blow up the boat, but it saves the day. So It's a smart decision that time. It is a very smart decision. Just also destructive. <laughs> True. Uh, episode 30, the fight against Chocolata and Seko continues. Chocolata now six Seko on the team. Meanwhile, Giorno heals Narancha and the turtle, and Narancha has a conversation with Trish about Butrati's leadership. When Butrati and Mista ascend some stairs, the whole infrastructure begins to sink under the influence of Seko's stand Oasis. You know, it's two brothers who fight with each other all the time. Uh, this all is called time. Sanctuary. Should have named it Wonderwall. You should have named it Wonderwall. But now should've. it's named after uh, the song from Kingdom Hearts 2. Or the, the Jake Isles song. That too, yeah. But yes, it's also... <laughs> they should have named it differently in Japanese and English then. <laughs> um... Also, worth mentioning, this dude's basically, like, in a gimp suit. Yeah. It's weird. When they said he's a human pet, they mean he's a human pet. Yeah, he is a human pet. It's, uh, you know, I'm not here to kink shame, but I'm kind of here to kink shame, <laughs> too. Uh, Oasis' power is that he can turn rock into sludge. You know, as you do. Uh, mm -hmm. While Mista and Bruno reach the parking lot to her Bucciarotti. I don't know, I just called him Bruno there for one second. <laughs> wow, you're on first name basis. <laughs> Sorry, excuse now? me. Mr. Bucciarotti. Uh, Seko continues to pursue and eventually wounds Mista. There's another one for the Mista counter. Where is the whiteboard? <laughs> Bucciarotti then jumps down to the parking lot, surprising Seko and pummeling him to force him to a retreat. Seko dives underground and explains to Chocolata that Bucciarotti must be a walking corpse as he was then affected by the mold. Meanwhile, the group has already stolen a car and are driving to Rome. Giorno and Bucciarotti use a private moment to discuss further... To discuss further Bucciarati's strange condition, and Bucciarati takes his status as a small blessing that allows him to fulfill his mission. They are interrupted when a mold-ridden corpse falls from them. Chocolata and Seko have caught up in a helicopter, and the mold <laughs> begins to massacre Rome's population. Seko dives to the ground, but Giorno and Mista team up to stop Chocolata's helicopter at the top of the tower. The team sub subsequently splits up to defeat both stands users. Yep. Uh, yeah, also, they have, like, uh, Chocolata and Seko have, like, a cell phones they talk to each other with yes early 2001 cell phones so they buy just like nokia phones and are just indestructible they're gonna play snake on them later i mean it, it kind of looked like that yeah uh next episode as we continue this this arc the fight against chocolate and seco continues which is literally the first sentence from the last time yep <laughs> Bucciarati has decided to handle Seko, but he then discovers that Seko has beat him in strength and speed. Overwhelmed, Bucciarati must flee in the, into the streets of Rome. For his part, Chocolata is, struck, is stuck in his helicopter and sees Giorno and Mista right for him. However, when Mista sends five of the sex pistols to kill Chocolata, they notice that he's disappearing and get ambushed, resulting in Mista being taken out. <laughs> Giorno <laughs> thus, thus goes to rescue the pistols with number five, but it also gets ambushed because Chocolata has managed to cut himself into pieces and survive thanks to his medical knowledge. Green Day pummels Giorno Wild. out of the helicopter. Yes, out of the helicopter, but Giorno ultimately makes number five's bullet ricochet against the blades of the helicopter and shoot into Chocolata's head, taking him out. Chocolata attempts a last gambit by playing dead, but is ultimately foiled, and Gold Experience violently pummels him into a garbage truck. Chocolata is defeated. Seko then receives a voicemail from Chocolata, who encourages him, and Seko comes out to fight Butrati. Unbeknownst to them, the mysterious ally is already observing them. Yeah! Um... So this whole, like, Giorno fight at the end here was really cool. Mm -hmm. 
like really really cool also this guy freaked me out with his whole like i'm just gonna cut myself into pieces Cash. i know exactly what parts to cut into the pieces and i'll just be fine afterwards it's a-okay wild and like that's a little messed up yeah yeah i was i was real happy to see this dude get get thrown in the garbage truck he sure does also journal just outsmarts him at the end it's very good that's what I mean is like that was so satisfying mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Episode 32. Hey, the battle against Psycho continues. What? Who would have expected that? <laughs> Who would have expected it? Uh, Butrati is forced to retreat but is caught up. The two then discover the Chocolata has died by observing the crowd, but Seko surprisingly takes it well as he reveals that he only followed the surgeon for his wealth and treats. Seko nonetheless decides to go to the Coliseum <laughs> to take what Butrati is after. Butrati is forced to stop him, but another fistfight cements Seko's superiority over sticky fingers. Thus, Butrati goes underground and zips him, and zips him, zips his way throughout the soil to join the Colosseum. Seko swimming after him, you know, swimming through the the ground. Mm-hmm. Using his hearing, Seko relentlessly tracks Butrati, and when Butrati decides to stand still, Seko then creates spikes of hardened rock that he makes rain down on the softened ground. Meanwhile. It is revealed the mysterious ally is one Jean-Pierre Polnareff. Yeah, it is! Yeah! Oh, I'm so excited to see him again! And that he must protect his arrow's secret at all cost. Bruno is forced to move and is cornered by a car. By a car. Or is cornered, but a car is sunk near him and he has sticky fingers punched the car's tire. The explosion bursts Seko's eardrums while Bucciarati is past caring about them because, like, he, he's dead. He's dead. Resurfacing, Seko incidentally meets Dio- or Dopio and takes him hostage, but Bruno takes him out. Again, I don't know why this is, this is all Bruno, Bruno, Bruno with this. <laughs> Bucciarati <laughs> then collapses as his body has reached its limits, and Dopio approaches to execute Bruno for good. It's a wild way to just be like, I'm just going to blow this tire up, but also I don't care if my eardrums get hurt because like, it's not like I'm using them that much anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be using them that much for much longer anyways. Nope. Easy peasy. But yeah, Polnareff's Casually back. Casually dead. Good boy is returned. He's also missing his leggies. Yeah, he's uh, he's gotten roughed up in the time yep. since we last saw him. Yep. In the, like, what, 10 years, I guess, since we last saw him? Yeah. I guess over 10 years. Like, but, yeah. like 12 to 13? Mm-hmm. Uh, episode 33. Instead of killing Bucciarati, Dopio decides to pass off, pass himself off as a harmless citizen to help carry Bucciarati to his destination. Diavolo enhances the ploy by deducing that Butrati is now a corpse who can only see spirits and emitting a bit of his own soul. Butrati is fooled into thinking Dopio is Trish. The two enter the Coliseum where they are confronted by Polnareff from the second floor. Polnareff eventually sees Dopio as a suspicious person, and both him and Diavolo remember Polnareff's attempt to investigate the arrows in Italy, only to be nearly killed by Diavolo in person. Polnareff forces Diavolo's hand, forcing the boss to come out and confront him. Diavolo gets the better of Polnareff a second time, and Polnareff is forced to pierce Silver Chariot with the arrow in front of Diavolo to protect it. Diavolo kills Polnareff and takes the arrow. Looking down on the first floor, he sees Team Bustrati coming to their leader and plans to kill them, but he then sees a new stand in front of them. Very spooky. Man. Polnareff. My dude. My dude, he's so good. What a man. What a boy. I love Polnareff. (laughs) Also, this made me question, and I I don't think that there is actually an answer to this, um, but I think I asked it of you when we were watching it. I was like, which dude is actually Trish's dad? Is it Topio or is it Diavolo? 
I would assume it's Diavolo. But I don't know. Yeah, because I mean like... But also, they're the same person, so... Yeah, I mean, they're the same person in, in, in one body, so I mean, it's kind of messed up anyway, but... I mean, it's the same question to ask is, who is Jorno's biological father? Well, we had that conversation. Exactly. Too. Is, is so, it Dio or is it Jonathan? It's just, it's kind of the same question. Yeah, fair. Well, they both have two dads. How about that? Why do you get two dads? <laughs> Why does one of them really evil? <laughs> uh, episode 34. Uh, Diablo has taken the arrow from Polnareff's corpse, but is now seeing a new stand in black wake, walk, walking in front of him. Soon, the entirety of Rome is put to sleep. The stand takes the arrow, and a few hours pass. When the team wakes up, they realize that they have switched bodies. Jorno with Narancia, Misa with Trish. To Trish's dismay, but the switch doesn't look like an attack as the group is otherwise fine, and they discover that their stand abilities have been empowered. The team then meets with Polnareff, whose soul was put in the turtle Coco Jumbo. Polnareff presents himself and explains that the arrow unlocks greater power, narrating the incident allowing him to discover that Silver Chariot could gain the power to control souls. He's been forced to completely turn Silver Chariot into Chariot Requiem, and the group must now defeat it to take the arrow. He also warns that Diavolo may be working alongside a partner. The heroes spot Diavolo and Chariot Requiem and prepare to attack. However, Diavolo then summons Sticky Fingers to attack Chariot Requiem, meaning Bucciarati is in the boss's body. I think this is the episode where we get, like, Polnareff kind of describing, like, obviously, like, here's the what, here's the stuff with the arrow, here is my backstory, where you get to see, like, the Golden Wind versions of, like, Jotaro and stuff, and it's real weird. Real weird. Like, I don't know why they just didn't just use, I mean, they, they do kind of, like, animate, like, a new scene, because, like, yeah. it's Polnareff and Jotaro meeting back up together to investigate more of the arrows, but, like, I don't know why they just, like, animate them, like, Star Wars Crusaders style. I mean, obviously, it's, it may be just a different team, so that yeah. could be why, but, like, it's so weird. It's very, very weird. Um, But, yeah, like, I don't, I think, I think this is also the time where Polnareff kind of talks about, like, what happened to him, where he went to investigate this arrow and everything and then finds Diavolo and Diavolo just beats the shit out of him. Yeah. Leaves him for dead. Yep. Um, but Polnareff manages to basically escape with his life and now he just doesn't have leggies anymore. No leggies. Well, so he doesn't have a body anymore either, so. Yeah. So now he's just a turtle, man. Now he's a turtle. He's like, Yay. hey, so my, my stand's now kind of bad and doing some real bad stuff. You gotta, gotta you guys gotta kind of stop it. Please help. You need to get an arrow away from him. That leads us into the next episode. Uh, Bruno, who, or Bucciarati, who is in Diavolo's body, has seemingly taken out Chariot Requiem and severed his arm. However, the team soon discover that when they try to approach the arrow, their stands automatically begin to attack them. Thus, Chariot Requiem is free to take back his arm and the arrow and walk away. The team then also realize that Diavolo must now be in Bucciarati's body and shoot him when he wakes up. Despite Requiem, all seems well and Narancia thinks about his future. <laughs> yep. Never do that! However, Never! However, time is erased again. The team realizes that Narancia has been impaled on iron bars. It is too late for Narancia, and the team can only mourn their lost companion. Jorno also regains his body. For his part, Polnareff decides or deduces that Diavolo and Dopio were split personalities and that Diavolo's soul may be lurking nearby. The group must depart to catch up to Chariot Requiem. In the streets, Bucciarati experiments with Requiem, and Polnareff tries to grab the arrow since, his, since he's standless. This spurs Chariot Requiem into action, who now runs towards the turtle. Nah. 
So yeah, immediately like when this episode was happening and Narasha was going like, "Oh, I can't wait to do this and this and in the future." I'm you're like, learn. "You're like, oh, these are death flags. These yeah, are death like, flags." And then immediately it was like, "Oh yeah, he's dead, dead." Yeah, and it's weird because you see Jorno's body just like impaled. You're like, "Oh, oh no!" And he, I mean, it's not even just like a single impalement; like it is impaled. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they get him down and uh, they're able to. I guess fix up the Giorno body, but they can't fix up the Naranja that's in it. And so well, they try and heal him and like they're able to kinda heal him, but they're like, he's it's too his late. His soul is already gone. Yeah. Um, and so like when when Naranja's body is like back, they like set him on the side of a wall at the Coliseum and Giorno like grows beautiful flowers and vines body. I was like, Well, that's pretty mm-hmm. nice. Um, I hope that they went back and got him. Well, I assume so, because they do go back to that area yeah that's true and they're like yeah we're gonna take you home but like that was really sad and they got um, another body to pick up that's true they explained that uh like the reason he was targeted was because he could see where people were yes so you no longer have a tracker this is very bad yes very very bad it was sad it was really sad Mm -hmm. but yeah as soon as he's like, yeah, I'm going to get back. I'm going to go back to school. I'm like, oh, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Why did you say that? Why did you do that? Rip. Ah! Well, let's, uh, let's dive into these last couple episodes. Yeah, we're almost left. In the, to the end. Episode 36. The struggle to defeat Chariot Requiem continues. After Polnareff touches the arrow, Jordan and Mista must protect protect him from Chariot Requiem, and Mista must replace his inexplicably broken revolver with a pistol. After a short struggle, Chariot stops running after Polnareff and goes away with the arrow, only for it to re- be revealed that everyone is beginning to mutate into otherworldly ki- otherworldly creatures because of Chariot. Meanwhile, Diavolo has seen Chariot's weakness. Time passes, or presses, but Giorno suddenly tells everyone to be still. He's checked Misto's revolver and proves that it was sabotaged. From that, he deduces that Diavolo is hiding, in- is hiding inside one of them. When Giorno checks on Bucciarati, Diavolo manifests from the same body as his daughter and attacks Giorno, severing an arm. Diavolo then catches up to Chariot Requiem using Time Erasure to evade all attacks. In truth, a hidden light orb can be a- attacked behind each soul's head, and King Crimson punches his orb to disable Chariot and take the arrow. The group tries to prevent Diavolo from taking the arrow, culminating it and being sent in the air, but King Crimson punching through his host's his host stomach to send himself flying toward the arrow and kills Trish once and for all. A whole lot happens. A whole lot happens in this episode. Oh, man. Um, One thing that is positive about this, because there's a lot of bad stuff that happens here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really enjoy in the body swap episodes um, the, the like back and forth with Trish and Mista. Yeah. Like, it's really, really good. Um, I also think that it's amazing how the voice actors were able to, like, pull off the little, like, vocal quirks of the characters, because... You know, you had like Sean Chiplock voicing Trish, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it was, it was wild. But you know, they were able to like pull off like how they were, how the characters actually speak, and I w- that's impressive. Yeah, it's really, really good. Like you, you were never looking at them and saying like, "Oh, that's Trish and Trish's body." Like you would hear her speak, and you're like, "Oh no, Mista's in Trish's body." Mm-hmm. It's very clear, and especially like the way that she's standing and everything too. It's it's really well done. But it's also like more impressive because like these were COVID episodes, so like yeah, being able to do all of that in the midst of everything happening, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty impressive. It's really impressive. 
Um, also, I love that the credits always had like their names of parentheses. Like this character, but really this character. It was fantastic. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff happened in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of got some some ramp ups that happened at the end here. Yep. And it's going to continue ramping up for mm-hmm. a little bit. Episode 37. Diavolo almost grabs the arrowhead, but Bucciarati intervenes. He has two seen through Chariot Requiem and definitely dis- and definitely destroys the light orb behind him to obliterate Chariot, forcing Diavolo's soul away from the arrow. Everyone returns to their original body, and Giorno is able to heal Mista's body, because <laughs> Mista obviously gets hurt more. Yep. Moreover, Giorno witnesses Bucciarati's soul ascending to heaven. Bucciarati explains how Giorno affected his life for the better and trusts to, and trusts to him the end of their mission. Goes off to the peak cloud in the sky. Giorno thus takes the arrow. Diavolo is bitter over his loss of the arrow, but is reassured as he forecasts Giorno being rejected. However, when Giorno stabs Gold Experience, it does turn into Gold Experience Requiem. Gur performs a first attack, but Diavolo foresees it and doesn't see any real damage. Considering King Crimson to still be superior, Diavolo erases time. Foreseeing himself punching through Giorno, Diavolo is elated, with, but elated, but his joy is crushed as he sees that time is rewinding back and that his time erasure is being undone. Diavolo finds himself in the same position he, he was just before the time erasure was activated and is powerless to prevent Gold Experience Requiem from starting to pummel him and King Crimson. Um... Also, Jorno gets a Dio mullet at this point. Yeah. His hair comes undone from his little, like, twisty thing in the back, and he just gets a straight-up mullet. He looks so much like his dad at this point. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, you are you are Dio's maybe kid. Yep. Um, And he just rocks the mullet for the rest of it. Yeah. He's like, sure, whatever. I got this awesome Requiem stand now. Mm-hmm. Come on. Um. Which, yeah, even Requiem's like, yeah, Jorno has no idea what I can do. <laughs> Which is scary. It's very scary. Uh, Diablo the whole time. says that. Yeah, Diablo the whole time is just like, I did it. I'm going to win again. And then like once time starts like, rewinding, he's like, um, excuse me? What is this? <laughs> I would like to speak to your manager. <laughs> the manager is Gold Experience Requiem, who just punches him in the face a lot. <laughs> or, 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 suffer muda, muda, muda. Yep wild man can you imagine having a stand that even you don't know the like extent of its powers that's terrifying (laughs) terrifying that's absolutely terrifying also like he poses like crazy um Mm -hmm. requiem does i mean he is he is all about them jojo basically requiem's extra yes that's really all we gotta say uh penultimate episode time Mm mm-hmm Journal's gold experience, gold experience Requiem sounds de- soundly defeats Diavolo and King Crimson, sending them into the Tiber. Diavolo seemingly survives and climbs up to a sewer, only to be stabbed by a druggie. Diavolo then continuously experiences various gruesome deaths, and his spirit is eventually broken. For their part, the team is convinced that they are victorious. Mista then tells the group to go back to the Colosseum and heal Bucciarati, unaware of his death. Seeing the spirits of his fallen comrades in the sky, Giorno sees the arrow on the ground. The plot then jumps back to the past. <laughs> Yep. During lunch, Bucciarati learns that Luca has just died and must investigate it. At the same time, Flores comes and claims that his daughter has been murdered by her boyfriend, explaining that she was holding a round rock in her arms. Bucciarati accepts to also investigate the matter and, and asks Mista to resolve the case. As Fugo drives Bucciarati and Mista to the boyfriend's apartment, Mista suspects that he is stalked by a round rock. His suspicions worry Bruto, or Bucciarati when Mista goes to the boyfriend's address, 
Butrati decides to go after him. When Misa uses the elevator, he spots the boyfriend in the rock, and the Brock reappears, which worryingly takes the shape of a dying Bucciarati. Um, First half of this episode is really cool. Really cool. I mean, like, the death loop is really well done. There's like there's a very poignant just saying of being, like, of Diavolo thinking, like, he's going to escape again and be able to find a way to fight back, and then getting killed by, like, a druggie who is addicted to the drugs that he has supplied this country. Yep. Man, but like one of the last things we see is like this little girl comes up to him and he's terrified. Mm-hmm. And so it shows like he, he's scared of everything at this point because he's died so many times in so many different ways. That he's like, I, I can't, I can't do anything. I don't know mm-hmm. what to do. Like even this tiny, tiny child is scary to me. Um, which I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's going to kill him. Who knows? Um, but yeah, he, he, Deathloop is intense. That is hardcore. It's a real messed up way to go. Yeah, it is. Like, oh, Jorno, what did you do? Like, uh, Mista and Trish are like looking over the river being like, oh, is, is, where is he? Where is he? And then like at one point, Jorno's just like, eh, don't worry guys. He's, he's, he's gone. No, yeah. we, we're, we're good. It's over. Yeah. They're like, okay, I guess <laughs> we should probably go back to the Coliseum then. I guess okay. Good job. Yay! Yay, team! <laughs> I was uh, so thrown off by the back half of this episode. Yeah, though. I was like, "What is happening right now?" It's and, very like, weird. One of the first things that you mentioned, you're like, "Almost everyone at that table is dead." Yeah, because it is like it's they're either dead or just missing. Gone, yeah. Because it is like uh, it's Mista, Narancia, Abakio, and Fugo. Mm-hmm. And then Butcherati like is in and out of that room. Yeah. So like Misa's the only one that's Misa and Fugo are the only one alive. Misa's the only one still around. Fugo's elsewhere. He shows up at one point when um Naranja dies, I think. I think that we get like a vision of him. But like he's not like around around. No, he's just walking around in a city. Yeah. But yeah, that, 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 this, this takes a weird turn at the end here. It does. Like, the whole Rolling Stone thing, I was like, what is happening? Like, it just kind of felt like everything ground to a halt. Yeah. Because yeah, I was like, wrong. oh, man, we won. This is exciting. We're going to see what happens now. And I was like, what if we go to the past? I'm like, what? What? So weird. Excuse me? What's well, happening? let's talk about this last episode then. Let's do it. Uh, Misa's investigation continues, realizing that he's pitted against a stand user. Misa quickly overpowers the sculptor named Scallopy. Did they ever name him in the show? I don't remember naming him, so whatever, we'll go with that. And orders him to explain himself. Scallopy is revealed to be a benign stand user whose automatic stand, Rolling Stones, who they re, uh, rename to Frost... Bleh, f- prophecy Stones. I'm trying to say <laughs> Philosophy Stones. Like, that's not how you say... or That's not how philosophy spelled. Prophecy Stones. But the Rolling Stones in, re- in reality. Uh, tracks people to fated to die, preemptive- preemptively kills them. Butrati has, in fact, become its latest target and is following him. Rolling Stones suddenly disappears, and Mista is told by Sex Pistols that Butrati is nearby. Mista begs Scullopy for a solution, and the sculptor suggests that he may change Butrati's fate by breaking the stone. Also, just talks about like Michelangelo and it's all about like sculpting. Art history. Yeah. Mista manages to delay Rolling Stones and ultimately jumps down the building with the Rolling Stones to break it, surviving by landing on Fugo's car. <laughs> the gang leaves, but Scallopy notices that Butrati's fate, as well as that of Abakio and Narancia, were already sealed. 
Still, impressed by Amista's loyalty, Scullopy prays that their demise may serve some purpose. Back to the present, Giorno, Mista, and Trish head back to the Colosseum to heal Bucciarati. Meeting Coco Jumbo on the way back, because uh, there's like a stone, like a rolling, like a, a round rock there that they see that Trish disappears behind, and then Polnareff's like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, meeting Coco Jumbo on the way back with Polnareff spirit lingering in it in the, in the room in his shell. I love that he's just like, so I'm just kind of going to hang around as a ghost if that's okay with you guys. Like, and they're like, cool. Yeah, cool ghost turtle man. Uh, Giorno decides to safeguard the arrow. Sometime later, it is shown that Giorno has become the leader of the gang. And Mista's his right hand man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would try... After everything Jorno and Misa have been through, I would trust Mista. Mista is the ride or die for you, literally. No kidding. He is the ultimate ride or die. Like, I will easily say Mista is my favorite character in Goldwyn. Hmm. I I think if there's one thing that, like, this this weird flashback does at the end show you, it's that, like, Mista is definitely much different than he was at, like, the beginning of the series. Yeah. He's way more competent and, like, less just, like like spastic and freaks out all the time he he's he has more of like a calmer mind at times even though he still does dumb stuff don't yeah, he, don't get me wrong he is still a spaz but not quite as spazzy yes um but yeah like it's it's weird these um, last couple of episodes are weird because like very you, weird the whole like moral of the the rolling stones bit is that like you know if fate gets you fate's gonna get you destiny is going to do whatever it does. Yeah. Which is obviously something that we've kind of learned throughout JoJo. I don't think we need like a, a little mini arc to just hit you over the head that that's a thing that's going to happen. Yeah. Like that just seems real counterintuitive and almost like weirdly insulting to your audience. Yeah. <laughs> it's real weird. Like I just, I wanted to see more of like, you know, like how, what, what are, what's Jordo, Trish, and Mista going to do after this? Like, what are they, what do they go off and do now? And then you just get a mini scene, like, obviously, Jordo takes over and everything, but like, that's it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, like, we don't see them go back to the Coliseum, really. We don't see, like, how react, like, the other two react to Bucciarati mm-hmm. being gone. Like, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, Trish is just gone. Yeah. And they give no explanation for that, which you said she's a pop star now, but like that that's in a light novel, whether or not you want to believe this canon or not, that's up to you, so it's just it's really wild. And it honestly does her a disservice that they're she's just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's been a main character and like she's one of the surviving members of this squad. Yeah. And you're just gonna like ignore that she exists? Okay, fine. I feel like there are way more questions than answers at the end of this compared to a lot of the other series. And in particular, like, it's going to be very weird because, like, obviously, you know, with the way this series goes forward, like, part six is the last part of, like, this modern time frame before everything gets into weird time shenanigans in part seven and eight. Yeah. So you're not really going to get any answers or closure or anything from this. So it's just, it's very bizarre. Um, but also like hilarious like I understand how hierarchy works everything but just like a 15 year old taking over sure all right Um, but I was not satisfied at all with this ending yeah 
like with the whole Rolling Stones thing, it just ground it to a halt. Which is a bummer because, like, I think you probably have the same idea as me, where like, you know, the the t- the couple episodes prior when like the Diavolo fight happens with Golden Experience Requiem and everything, like, it was cool. Everything's so hype and everything. You're just like on board, like oh, I can't wait to see how this ends, and then just like, huh? Yeah. Okay. It- it's super cool. Like, okay, I'm going to do a very weird comparison. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. So this is like you go and eat like the most amazing food in the world. Like it tastes great. It looks beautiful. You're so excited. And then like while you're eating it, you know, you're, you're getting ready to finish it up and everything. You're super stoked. It's been great. Somebody across from you just lets out the weirdest, nastiest fart and just ruins the whole thing. <laughs> That's what happened here. The Rolling Stones arc was a fart. I mean, you're not wrong. Because, I mean, like, after that happens, you're just like, oh, man, I'm not really as into this anymore. And it sucks because I liked Golden Wind quite a bit up to that point. And then just, like, it did not stick that landing. Mm -mm. And that sucks. I mean, you usually get some level of closure on these characters. Because you care about him. Yeah. And, like, cool, he's a mafia leader. Yeah. Like, he, like, he fulfilled that's, that's what he wanted know. to do. He fulfilled his, like, he, he fulfilled his dream and everything. Like, obviously, yes, yes. That's, that's very important. But, like, I think you could do more than just You could do more that. than 15 seconds of it. Yes, exactly. With, like, Mista, like, longingly looking out the window of a garden. He's remembering his friends. Yeah, I mean, they do have, like, mementos of their friends on the table, but um, I, I don't know. It was just very weird. Uh, I did not like the last two episodes. Like, I liked the death loop because that was intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, I was just like, what is even happening right now? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I don't, I don't think, like, this... I don't think that, like that ending ruins the show per se, but it does just leave you kind of just, like feeling real like not satisfied. Yeah, that's that's really disappointing. It. I feel disappointed and not satisfied. Would you? I mean, this also, might. Sorry, like, go ahead. It, I was gonna say like they had the full opening at the beginning and the full closing at the end. Like you could have cut one of those to put more time into like what's actually happening with the story and the characters. I mean, like even then, like it's an anime. So like you can, if you want to go like a smidge longer, you totally can. But also like, this is the, that's, that's how the manga wraps. This isn't like the anime changing things to suit its knees. Like this is how the manga wrapped up as well. So you can't really say that the anime did anything differently because it, really didn't i mean it changed some things here and there but like this is how the manga wraps up too i don't like it yeah anyway i interrupted you um i this this might be a little off the cuff okay in terms of just like as an emotional feeling and everything but this might be the second worst jojo yeah i agree with you which is not what I was expecting coming into this. No, because it's like one of the most popular. Yeah. Like easily one of the most popular. I was like, whoa. But yeah, I it's, it's the second worst for me too. 
I was thinking about the rankings when we finished it. I was like, where would I rank this in comparison to the rest of them? Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's it's the bottom. Like, it's near the bottom. Yeah. Yikes. Did not expect that. I, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't have either. But my guess that that those two last two episodes just really end you kind of on a down note. Yeah. Because like even like when we were getting ready to watch it um, Saturday night, we were still like, oh, what is this weird backstory or like this flashback arc? Like, what is the purpose of this? Like, there's got to be something really crazy that happens. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's not really. It's just, yeah. hey, Bucciarati was going to get messed up. And so were Narancia and Abakio. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, okay. Oh, hey, this guy can his his stones tell you how people die. Oh, look, Bucciarati's got a hole in his chest. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Like what why why does this matter yeah, i don't know we knew that he i mean he he died we know that and i mean like it's always tragic whenever we have team members die like it sucks whenever team members die in these like imagine the end of stardust crusaders like breaking up the last episode to do a flashback arc that was like so you know iggy um kakyoin Avdol are all going to die. Yeah. Like, that just would be so weird and just, like, break up the entire flow of, like, everything that's happening. Yeah. Well, and it also makes it feel a little bit cheaper in terms of, like, how they died and what they died for. Because, like, oh, it was just predetermined. Right. So it's not like, oh, hey, you know, Abakio really died trying to help out the cause and figure out who the boss was. Like, no, he was just determined. Like, he was, it was fate that he would die. And it's like, really? Really? And, like, Bucciarati literally walked around as a zombie and by the end couldn't hear or see. And they're like, oh, but that was fate. That was fate. And it's like, no. This was this man, like, having some of the golden wind energy, but also, like, he was determined as heck. And like I'm pretty sure that determination's what got him as far as it did. It's it, um, and if you put it that way, like it's a weird counter argument to like the whole philosophy of this series, like of, of part five particularly, where it's like being determined to to change things. Yeah. But maybe that's the whole thing, is I even but like I feel like partially it's trying to say like even if you're super determined to change things, you're not going to be able to. But then also, Giorno changes things and is now ahead of the the, the mafia. So like, he's the, his determination has helped him change things. Right. Like it's a it's a message at the end that does not know what it wants to say. No. It's weird. But yeah, it, it's definitely second worst JoJo. <sighs> Well, he gets to go hang out with his dad. Both of his dads. <laughs> <laughs> At the bottom there. Dad dads. Dad dads. I mean, both of his dads are in the worst one, so. Yeah. No wrong. Yeah. Uh, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode then. Yeah. We're also leaving on a bummer note here. <laughs> like, like I said, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good in this series, but like there's a lot of good. That ending is just not great, which no. is a bummer, and that's kind of the last thing you get. So like, it kind of leaves you feeling all bummed. 
It really does. Which is like, a, a bummer. I will wholeheartedly a thousand percent say that the best part of Golden One is Mista. Like, I have no trouble saying that whatsoever. And I think as well, like, you know, we had to talk about, like, all, like, the, the stuff about the ending. But, like, there's so many weird things that they just, like, briefly mention and then just never discuss again. Yeah. Like, the whole Dio is his dad thing is, like, brought up. You'd think that would be important, but it's just dropped. Yeah. Um, There was something else I was like, oh, they brought that up and then they just dropped it. What was it? I don't remember. But oh, there are a few regardless, things yeah. that it was just like, oh, hey, this is going to be cool. And then it's just not even touched on. Yeah. Well, anyways. That's 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 golden wind for you. Yep. If you would like more from us, go to SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com or SEC.Cools where you can find past episodes of this podcast and other podcasts like Checkup and Jared and Al Watch. You can also find columns reviews on the site as well, and also find our past episodes on JoJo and JoJo-related media mm-hmm. on the site as well. If you'd like more from Ann Ladium, go to AnnLadium.com. She's got columns and reviews. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash AnimeCheckup. Uh, buy our book, One Shining Moment, a critical analysis of one of, of, love, of love Life Sunshine <laughs> on Amazon.com. And also buy Al's book, Hot Tubs and Pac-Man, also ah! available now. And you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash S-A-C-O-V-A. Buy us a slice of pizza, get access to bonus episodes, unedited episodes, all sorts of fun goodness. That's all there. Yep. Next week. Are you going to talk about Atome? Potentially. (gasps) I have an Atome to talk about. I want to talk Talk about about some Atome, talk about some satellite video games. Oh, right. Or we'll talk about a JRPG. One or the other. You think we're finished by then? I mean, I'm just I'm just putting it out there just in case. I'm not saying okay. that's a possibility, but hey, if it is, that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, sure. So just be on be on your guard. We got stuff on the plate, y'all. Yep, just in time for Thanksgiving, so it's gonna be all bad food. Blech.